And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Small Biz Matters here at Triple H 100.1 FM, your local community radio station. It is a jam-packed show today. Strap on your boots and get ready with your notepads because we are going to be providing with you so much fantastic information, keeping you informed, keeping you educated, and, of course, advocating for small business all over the country. Why is today's show so big? Because we've got two giants of the advocacy and finance world. We're starting with Kate Carnell, who is, of course, the Small Business Ombudsman for Australia, the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman, as BIFIO, as it's known. And her office is a big advocate for small business nationally, that she's been behind a lot of the stimulus packages. She's constantly negotiating, looking after small businesses all over the country, from the small to the large organisations like professional associations. We're very proud to have her on the show. Later at 9.30, we're going to be welcoming Deborah Jenkins, who is, of course, the Deputy Commissioner for the ATO, talking all about the latest round of stimuluses and how the ATO is going to be administering. Now, why do you need to know all this information right now? Well, of course, because it's going to be life-changing, just like the coronavirus has been life-changing for so many small businesses. These stimuluses offered by the federal government are going to hopefully bring the economy back to some semblance of life and prepare us for being ready to hit the ground running once everything is back to normal. Kate Carnell, as I mentioned before, is the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman. She's going to be talking to us today about what her role is, how much of it has changed and why it is so important that we understand that there is someone there advocating for us in uh, the small business world. Uh, Kate, are you there? You're, of course, coming to us via Zoom. Welcome to the program. I certainly am. Thank you so much. That's what we all do these days. It is. It is. We all pivot. We all get ready for something new and we all get, um, we all Zoom, (laughs) apparently. Although I must say there are other options out there just to make everybody aware this. It's not just a, a, a conglomerate that we have to to support. There's lots of different options out there. I'd love to see a small business come along and Australian small business and take on Zoom for its money, but perhaps a little bit later when they've got uh, a little bit more room to pivot. A bit more time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Kate, um, many small businesses at the moment have, of course, uh, been pivoting their roles and responsibility in recent weeks, and no doubt you've been doing the same as the head of Aspifio. Why is the role of advocacy for small business in Australia more important than ever? Look, our role is really interesting. Um, my role is independent, so I'm, appo- I'm appointed by the Governor-General. Um, we have a piece of legislation that governs how we work. We've got two roles. One is advocacy um, and one is, um, is assistance. In the advocacy role, our job is to ensure legislation and regulation is as small business friendly as it can be. And, of course, at the moment, that really matters to ensure that government decisions, programs and so on um, are small business friendly. In other words, don't end up too bureaucratic, um, are broad enough based to pick up um, small businesses more broadly. Because remember, small businesses aren't one size fits all. They are very different beasts. So the importance at the moment is ensuring that with government programs, to address uh, COVID-19, that they really do hit the mark. And our job is to try to um, alert government to gaps. Um, And remember, these guys um, and girls in in government are moving incredibly quickly. I mean, I've never seen um, decisions taken in Treasury, Prime Minister and Cabinet across across government as quickly as um, they have had to move 
to ensure that the you know health is looked after but the economy doesn't fall over um, and inevitably in that situation again it would, you, you're going to end up with gaps things that didn't quite hit the mark the way they should have so our job is to ensure that we alert government to uh, to gaps that we um, let them know what's happening on the ground out there in uh, in small business uh, and family enterprise land, shall we say. Um, and we work really closely with industry associations and they're really important. Those are Chambers of Commerce, COSBOA, um, the Australian Industry Group, all of the industry associations that look after various, various sectors. They're doing a great job representing their members but because my role doesn't have a membership base, we're broad-based. Uh, and so for us, you know, it's all small businesses and family enterprises that are our constituency. And I suppose it's up to all of us to focus and to move quickly at the moment. And at the moment, I suppose, never more than ever. We do talk about that a lot on Small Biz Matters. We talk about the importance of being in touch with or better still, a member of your professional association because they do advocate for you and speak for you. Is this a really good example of when everything just goes to pot, that the, 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 informa- the, the information trickles up the chain and gets to the decision makers or more importantly, it gets to yourself as the advocate um, and to other advocates like Peter Strong who have the ears of the politicians and the legislators to make change happen? Look, it's really important and never, never more important. I have to say the government, again, the federal government is, is, wor- is working really hard uh, to ensure that what they're doing is small business, family enterprise friendly. But remember, you know, they don't live and breathe this stuff. The people who do um, are people like me, Cosboa, um, the restaurants associations, the master grocers, the, the retailers, um, the people who have got membership base that they're listening to all the time. And the good news is that, uh, that ministers um, are conducting lots of roundtables of industry associations, people like me and whatever, to ensure that they're hearing what's happening on the ground. Um, so industry associations have never, ever been been more important and, uh, and certainly in terms of my role in pulling that together a bit and uh, ensuring that we continue to remind government where there are gaps or people who are... Uh, um, aren't, it's the packages aren't quite working for. How does that how does that reminding system go? Do you sort of are you are you in the process of I guess lobbying? Many of us wouldn't really understand the process of lobbying, but are you in the room rubbing shoulders with them? Are there roundtable discussions where certain aspects are discussed, and you are there to represent small business? How how does the mechanism work? Look, there's there's, there's quite a number of roundtables. Um, they include industry associations and me and, you know, a wide range of people. But, look, a lot of the time it's about getting on the phone. Because we deal with these, with, with these people all the time, um, getting on the phone and just having a, um, having a chat, explaining what the situation is, you know, right at the moment it's really important to remember that governments and not just federal government, state governments, everyone's trying to do the right thing here, but it's about keeping balls in the air, mm. keeping the health side of COVID-19 under control, keeping that, uh, that curve flattening, keep, keep, keeping people out of our ICU, but at the same time, keeping the economy 
um, as as much together as is possible. And uh, therein lies the lies the challenge. You know, it'd be really easy just to close everything down, but then we wouldn't have an economy and wouldn't have any jobs. Um, uh, so, you know, getting the balance right is really challenging. Well, I was going to ask you about that because I'm curious to know what sort of pressure you're experiencing from the small business sector. We're hearing it creeping in from, from larger businesses the, the push to get the economy back up and running again. We know that it's, of course, happening in larger economies such as America. There's a lot of push to get everything back up and running, which is nearly impossible over there. Are you experiencing that kind of pressure from the back coming from small businesses to say, we've really got to get going again, otherwise we're going to go out of business? Or is there a better understanding in your opinion? Look, I have to say, I've been pretty impressed with Australian businesses, but what the Australian governments haven't done is close everything down. So it's something like, you know, 90% of Australian businesses are operating at least at some level. And many, of course, are doing incredibly well at the moment. You know, retail, logistics, mining is going going bank gangbusters at the moment. Construction is still chugging along uh, pretty well. There are some areas where there's... Um, some shortages of, uh, of of requirements in the in the construction space, but you know, in terms of trying to keep that that balance right, I think governments, I think small businesses understand government governments are trying to get it right. There are some industries that would have rather been shut down uh, than not shut down, and there are others that say, "Hey, we could have kept going," but you know, it is it is a balance. So right at the moment, the challenge is. Uh, for, for government and for small businesses is to keep your team on board, to use the opportunities that we've got now where you may not be as, you might be closed, but you may not be as busy as you once were, to focus on doing all of those things that we in businesses, and I've run my own businesses for 20 years or so, um, never had time to do. You know, That's exactly all of those right. things that we all says, you know, we've really got to get around to getting that customer list right, mm. you know, get that up to speed. We've got to get that social media stuff really happening. We've got to get our website not looking like something that's a bit, that's 10 years old. And, you know, we've always talked about staff training. We've always talked about the fact we could all, we could do heaps better if we could, you know, just in, improve our, our staff training and improve our personal training well, now we've got the opportunity to do so and most of these things aren't, aren't that expensive. There's lots of free training programs around, lots of great webinars, uh, lots of information and help in things like social media and websites and so on. So the challenge, I think, is to focus on what we can do now and to make it useful going forward um, and, you know, getting all those things done that we always said we should do one day and have never actually got around to to do it. And I'm seeing lots of businesses do that, you know, really, really pivot, focus differently, show that small business can be flexible and agile and all the things that we always say we are. Well, that's, of course, that's our strength. As small businesses, we are the, the perfect flexible nature that we, that we operate in on a day-to-day basis, that ability to make quick decisions and then implement them quickly. We don't have tiers of management that it has to go through. We don't have, uh, you know, decision makers or, or shareholders that we have to be holden to. We can make those decisions ourselves and pivot. So you're absolutely right. This is this is definitely our time. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and Small Biz Matters. If you've just joined us, we're talking to Kate Carnell, 
Bell, who is the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman. Her role is to advocate for and support small businesses all over the country. Now, Kate, just before this all started, um, what was in general, the issues that were facing small business before um, the pandemic? And do you think that that is going to evolve and change to be a different focus when this is all over? Look, cash flow has always been a problem for small business. It's just a million times worse uh, at the moment. But the sort of issues that we were dealing with were unfair contract um, terms for for, for small businesses, um, um, difficulties for non-delivery, difficulties with finance, with with banks, with other finance um, um, entities, you know, all of those things around uh, small business. In terms of our advocacy role, we we were and are doing uh, work on still on access to capital, but things like uh, um, the issues we've got in Australia with insolvency practices, you know, that aren't very small business friendly at all. Now, we always hope that we never end up in that space, but uh, if we do end up uh, um, with cash flow problems, with um, issues that might mean that we were insolvent or believe we might be trading insolvent, to have systems in place that help in turnaround, but if the worst happens, to help small businesses uh, go through that process quickly and cost-effectively. So those are the sorts of issues um, that we've been that, that we've been dealing with. Uh, we've also been dealing with things like invoice financing, whole range of approaches to uh, you know to small business financing. Some which are really good, um, some which which aren't. Um, and, you know, one thing that we were dealing with before that just it got worse is payment times. Payment you times. Know, we thought we... Yeah, I know. We thought we'd... Exactly. It's it's one it's one of those things that, I, that really quite frustrate me a lot with my involvement as a as a bookkeeper and watching so many small businesses around the country struggle with this. I, I, I'm sorry to simplify it, but I just do not understand why it can't be, we can't have a mandated payment times, 14-day turnaround times, and after that you're allowed to charge interest. I don't quite understand the mechanisms and why there's bigger things at play that are stopping small business from, from getting paid faster. Can't we mandate it, Kate? Um, look, we can, and I think one thing that this whole pro, the whole COVID-19 process is showing is that we probably have to. Um, we were hoping that prior to this that a number of businesses were getting better and they, they were, but unfortunately, it's not the majority. And what we've seen um, as a result of this whole uh, um, crisis is lots of big businesses actually blowing out their payment times. Now, you know, um, big multinationals pushing out to 60 and 90 days for small businesses that, let's be fair, are under, more, under a whole lot of pressure at the moment, fully accept that cash flow is difficult for big businesses too. But one thing you shouldn't be allowed to do is push your problems down the supply chain to people who've got much less capacity to deal with um, slow payments than the big guys do. That's absolutely right. And, unfo- and that's what we've seen. Uh, and so we've, I think, seen up front and personal maybe why there needs to be a mandated uh, payment time uh, 
you know, that that is the, the case for everybody. And if you go longer than that, it ends up costing you. And, that's simple. And I think that what's really important here to note is that up until this point, the federal government has implemented a, a list where um, they have businesses over a certain size that have to be transparent with their payment times. But yeah. the reality is, if you're um, a, a small business who is seeking, um, you know, trying to get those those contracts and you land a big contract, you're not going to A, turn it down or B, possibly even yeah. know or look, look at that list or even know about it and C, make a decision based on the fact that they take 60 days to pay. Yes, you can probably factor that in with your, your own costings. But again, you said that's just pushing it down the chain. And again, your subcontractors will be the ones to suffer, the smaller and smaller businesses, possibly your employees and definitely yourself. I don't think that that's, well, we can see from the last, you know, three or four months of that being implemented. It simply doesn't work. We haven't seen any, a speeding up of payment times for small business. We've seen it slow down. It's really that simple. So the moment there's any pressure um, up the uh, the top of the supply chain, guess what happens? Exactly. Push straight down. Now, look, it isn't everybody. There has been some companies that have been fantastic, you know, Telstra, some of the mining companies like Rio, Lion, um, others that have said, okay, no, we're going to play quickly because we've got to do our bit. But I tell you what, they are not the majority. And, and of course, the problem. And small business has zero bargaining power. It's not as though you're going to turn around and say, hey, guys, it's been 60 days since I sent you my invoice. Um, I'm not, I'm going to take you to court. Really? I mean, no. <laughs> you've got nothing to stand yeah. on. Really? <laughs> um, that, and look, there, therein lies the problem. Now, look, um, my office and the Office of Small Business Commissioners around Australia are always happy to take um, those cases on board. Um, we're free, so, you know, we're, we're very cost effective, um, you know, and put some pressure on those big guys. So if you're really, if businesses are having trouble, please get in touch with my office or small business commissioners in uh, in the various states. Uh, we can we can send really stroppy letters with really good, uh, you know, crests at the top of them, uh, <laughs> Uh, and the, it's amazing how often uh, they work. Uh, and it's, so don't just put up with it is the, is the point. Uh, don't let big businesses send you broke because that's not fair. Yeah, and it's good to see that that's going to be one of your focuses moving forward as well. We know that um, a lot of the information coming out of your office has been in and around payment times before the COVID-19 pandemic hit home. And obviously that'll be something that you'll continue on. What changes do you think will occur when this is all over in terms of your role um, in ASPIFIO? Look, one of the things that we're seeing a huge amount of extra cases in is, is rentals. Because one of the, you know, the dilemmas at the moment is commercial rent. You know, if your business is um, either closed or had significant downturns, well, um, affording commercial rent is a real problem, particularly as, you know, banks have pushed out their requirements for payments. The ATO has done the, done the same. You know, there's, there's most, you know, most parts of your cash flow problems are, are being addressed in one way or another, but... Commercial rent is a big bit of what you have to pay. And um, I was really pleased to see the announcement late last week of a mandatory commercial um, tenancy code, which will be legislated by each state. And fundamentally what it says to commercial landlord is you can't evict that you actually do have to enter into negotiation about 
rent reduction and rent deferral. And fundamentally what it what this does in a nutshell, it's quite long, so people should have a look at it, but it says if your if your turnover is down fifty percent, then you should look at at least a 25% reduction in rent and 25% can be deferral of rent, but that deferral should be without any dramatic interest rates or penalties and should be um, amortised over at least 24 months at the other end of this. So there are now some actual figures in play here. But this is something that's in place specifically for the pandemic um, and has probably an expiry date. Are you suggesting that there needs to be an overhaul of the the commercial rental space in light of what's happened here and in light of businesses needing that support? I think that this has got to go on for longer than just the time of the pandemic. It's going to take businesses a long time to get up and running again, you know. Uh, Some might be quick, but I think that will be the abnormal one. And, and the good thing about this uh, mandatory code is it does, un- it does acknowledge that just when the pandemic finishes, whenever that might be, that it's going to be a significant period of time after that for uh, tenants to be in a position to pay rent um, at, you know, at anything like a reasonable rate again. And I think maybe some of the things that this will show is some of the approaches to commercial rent have been uh, not really in line with with markets. You know, we've we've had a fairly flat economy for a while, but still see uh, ratchet causes, you know, 5% a year increases in rent, you know, when there hasn't been 5%, you know, um, CPI and other things haven't been close to that for a while. So I think, you know, it it really makes us all have a, a real look at ensuring that we've got a sustainable market um, in the commercial rent space. Well, I know that um, Peter Strong, who's of course the head of COSBOA, has been speaking quite vehemently about um, large shopping centre operators who are continuing to hold small business over the barrel, ensuring that they continue to you know, renovate every two years at a huge cost and they are not reducing their rent. Do you think that they have some um, something apart to play in, in supporting small business in that way? Well, it certainly means that those sort of clauses, you know, the refurb every three years at uh, you know, half a million dollars or whatever it costs to refurb a shop. I remember back in my days, I ran pharmacies and, you know, a cost of a refurb were always enormous, amazing. Um, And so I think it's going to be a while before shopping centre owners can go back to those sort of uh, um, abnormal costs in the space. It's going to be a while before uh, retailers, um, uh, small businesses are going to be in a position to um, significantly invest in uh, in things like, like new fixtures and fittings or uh, new look and feel. So, you know, we're all going to have to work together to get through to the, you know, to, to back to a scenario where um, our businesses are profitable. And, of course, you can't invest in those sorts of things unless you've got a profit to start with, um, not, not without going broke. Exactly. Look, Kate, we've run out of time. I'd like to thank you very, very much for coming on Small Biz Matters. Uh, Tell us how people can find out more about the work that you do in your office and get in touch. Can I suggest that people go to our website, which is asbfeo.gov.au. And also there's a site that's there as well called My Business Health, because, you know, looking after your business through this period of time is important, but you've got to look after your health as well, you know, 
it's incredibly stressful, let's be fair. Nobody could have understood just how you, we could end up here, but we have. And if you don't look after your own mental health and that of your staff and family, you know, we're not going to have businesses at the end of this. So have a look at My Business Health, but also to our website more broadly to tell us uh, what you think, but to put in any um, issues you'd like us to help you with. Thank you so much. You've just been listening to an interview with Kate Carnell, who is, of course, the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman. My name is Alexi Poyd. You're listening to Small Biz Matters here on Triple H 100.1 FM Live across the community radio network. When we come back after the break, we're going to be speaking to Deborah Jenkins, who is the Deputy Commissioner for the ATO, talking all about the recent stimulus packages and the way that they're going to be administered through her office. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back after these community service announcements. Now, today, I'm very proud to be welcoming uh, Deborah Jenkins, who is the Deputy Commissioner for the ATO. We're going to talk about the stimulus packages. We're going to talk about the um, the various options that are out there as a small business owner, but importantly, the how of uh, the methodology that the ATO are going to be doing to administer this. And I must say that I am most pleased that the ATO are the ones who are looking after this because let's face it, they've got the most information on all of us. They're the ones who've got the up-to-date, accurate information on how we're running as a business. And if you've been keeping your books up to date, which, hey, now more than ever is important that you've been doing, um, it's great to have them looking after this and, and making sure that it's fair and equitable in the way that it's just disseminated. And also, importantly, they're going to be keeping an eye on people who are doing the wrong thing. Thing. So let me welcome to the program Deborah Jenkins. Uh, can you hear me, Deborah? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Okay. Indeed. Thank you so much for joining us in this virtual world we all live in at the moment. I hope you're keeping well and keeping safe. That seems to be a funny thing, and everybody's putting on their emails: keep well and keep safe. <laughs> it's no longer it's about so true. <laughs> everyone's suddenly caring about each other a lot more in the business world, which is, I think, nice and warm and fluffy. Now, your office is, is has been given the the big task of looking after uh, looking after this the stimulus package. Let's talk about what the ATO is going to do to support sp- businesses firstly, the ones who are experiencing a severe downturn or difficulties as a result of COVID-19. Yeah, absolutely. And and before I start, I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone who's out there because I know small businesses are going through a really tough time at the moment. And when I reflect on it, you know, for, for many, COVID is kind of like the final thing that's happened. If you think about the floods, the fires, the drought. Um, and so just a shout out to everyone out there. But you're absolutely right. We are doing a lot. Yes, there's some stimulus package, but there's a lot that we can do just as the ATO in terms of helping um, those small businesses. So first of all, we are encouraging, and I loved your, your comments there about, hey, this is the time to get you know your book straight to do that training and to do that business plan that you've always wanted to do. But we are encouraging people to make sure they do lodge if they are able to lodge and to make sure that they pay if they're able to pay as well to sort of keep into in that routine. But there are many people who can't. And so one of the things that I do just want to make sure that everyone out there knows about is that we can defer by up to six months um, the payments due through the business activity statements. And I think that's really important for people. We don't know when this is going to end, but for a lot of people, they've said just knowing that I don't have to pay for six months can make a really big difference. Um, also, there are things that people can do like changing their, their reporting cycle. So, for example, many people report on a quarterly basis. They might actually want to opt into GST monthly reporting to make sure they can claim their credits a bit faster. Other things that people have taken up that I think are really great options for people include um, their during the year has obviously changed for many people. And so that's something they can do as well. And finally, let's see what we can do 
And for this one, unlike the bushfires, and I know you know this, in the bushfires, we used postcodes because we knew who was impacted. In relation to COVID, it's really tricky to work out who's actually impacted and how. Um, and so if people do um, are able to contact us, that's when we can make a lot of those things happen for them. Deborah, you just gave us a couple of really good points in those last two. And unfortunately, the um, the internet dropped out. Yay, bless the internet. Do you want to just repeat those last two points just really quickly for me? Yeah, oh, bless the internet. These are, you know, challenging times for us all. So hopefully you guys can hear me now. So those last two were around varying your PAYG instalments. So we know a lot of people thought at the beginning of the year that they were going to make X, X dollars. And due to the changes from COVID, they do need to, you know, they have an opportunity to vary their amount of PAYG instalments and also get potentially get a refund for instalments that paid in September um, and also the December quarter. Could I just ask you about that? If they get a refund on that, they need to be conscious of how much tax they will end up having to pay at the end of the year, right? So to get a refund is Absolutely. important for cash flow, but then at the same time, they need to be aware that that, that tax will still be owing on the on the income they've actually had. That's exactly right, because people don't quite know, um, you know, where they're going to be at. But but you're right. And so a lot of these decisions, it's not one of these things I'd really encourage people to, you know, have a think about what they're doing. And some we're going to talk a little bit about later too. You just need to kind of think about having that cash in your pockets great now, but actually, you know, will it make a difference later on? And, and sometimes it's a complex, bit of a complex decision you have to do a bit of thinking about. And the final one I was talking about um, before I got cut off with the internet um, was we can remit interest and penalties that were incurred on or after the 20. 3rd of January this year um, that have been applied to tax liabilities. But as I just mentioned, um, a lot of these, it's best that you contact us. We aren't applying these on a blanket basis. And could I ask, is uh, are the hours being extended or the availability of the ATO to be able to make those? Um, I mean, we, we've all got plenty of time to call, admittedly, but is that being extended as well? Yeah, we have. Um, they, they do change according to demand. But just for example, I was on a call just then. We were open over the weekend, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and we took around 7,000 calls over the weekend and people were pleasantly surprised that we were available. So we are working later at night, um, often until eight, sometimes a bit later. Um, so do, you know, if people do need to call us, and I'll give some numbers a little bit later on, but we do have call lines, but also some wonderful information available on our website under COVID. Could I also ask about um, the cash flow boost in general? So um, that's something that, that, that's just uh, been announced and it's come in, in sort of waves. We've had version one, version two, version three. Uh, how is the um, ATO going to administer that? And tell us a little bit in general about how that's going to work. Okay, so in in general terms, uh, you do not need to apply for the cash flow boost. Okay, so that's sort of the first thing I want to say. The real application process here is really around making sure that you lodge your activity statement. So that's the first point I really want to make make sure people understand. Businesses are going to receive a tax-free cash flow boost of between $20,000 $20,000 and $100,000, depending on a number of factors, um, over the next period of time. And these are being delivered, and this is another really important piece of information, they are being delivered as credits to your activity statements. And those are from activity statements lodged from the 28th of April um, for the March to June um, periods. Now, that's really important, Lexi, because we've had to kind of get a lot of things um, up and running very, very quickly. And so our systems will be ready to rock and roll from the 28th of this month. Um, So from that date, when you lodge those activity statements, if you are eligible, and we can have a chat about eligibility too, the credit will be applied to your activity statement for that period. 
And the key thing here is that the credit we're talking about is um, 100% of the amount that you've withheld. So often people talk about the W-2 figure. It's 100% of that W-2 figure. It's a little bit different for, that's for um, quarterlies. For monthlies, they've done a process that effectively gets you the same amount, multiplying it by 300. Um, and it comes in, in a couple of waves, if you like. So it depends on whether you're a monthly or quarterly. But the first boost, so just people have got this clear in their head, the first boost would be applied as a credit to their activity statements that they lodge um, on or after the 28th of April. Those credits will start to become available. And may I ask, is that, has that, that's something that's mandatory. It's not an option to say, well, I want to keep my ATO debt as it stands and I want to pay it off over time and I would like to keep that, um, that cash, uh, cash flow boost to use as cash flow. You, you have to apply it against your ATO client integrated account debt first. Um, so, the, yeah, the, the boost will go for the activity statement for that period and it will be offset. So, yeah, what you're saying, so maybe in, in, the, in that particular quarter, so it would say the, the quarter ending um, 31st of March, it, the cash flow boost will apply. So if you had a refund, for example, it would give you a bigger refund um, or if you had, you were in a payable, potentially it could tip you over into a refund position. Let's talk about eligibility now because um, this is another thing that has been evolving over time. Uh, At first, it seemed to be only for PTY LTDs and then after a bit of machinations and complaining from the business community, the sole traders came on board and then when they realised there were hundreds of thousands of trusts, which basically act like businesses as well, they seemed to come on board as well. So with the cash flow boost, um, what's the eligibility there for for sole traders in particular because that's such a large group? Okay, so for cash flow boost, it's really, really important. Cash flow boost is based on those who actually employ someone and who actually withhold an amount. So that's a really important thing to get in your head. It is a bit tricky at the moment because there's so many different things, you know, what's JobKeeper, what's cash flow boost. But let's just think about the, the premise of cash flow boost when it was announced early in, um, in March was actually to make sure that those people who employed someone would be eligible for this. Now, a couple of things to note here. Sole traders can employ someone, but they cannot employ themselves. Okay. So it's, that's a really important thing. And a couple of the bookkeepers I've been talking to, that's been drummed into my head. Deb, if you get to say anything, make sure you say that. So it does apply to sole traders who employ somebody. And it does apply to other people who employ people. So think about the cash flow boost as those who are employing somebody, not as contractors, but who are on their books, their, their employees, and they withhold amounts from them under W-2. So those people will be eligible. It's for those businesses who are up to $50 million in turnover. So not just in our language, in my language, small businesses, but actually some of those medium enterprises as well. And also includes not-for-profits because we know there's a really large not-for-profit sector out there and they're also struggling at this time too. So those with annual aggregated turnover of less than $50 million. A key thing, Lexi, with this is you have to have an ABN as at the 12th of March 2020 and you can't backdate it. And we have seen a lot of people saying, oh, you know, I really did mean to get an ABN and oh, you know, I've been operating for quite a few years and I didn't get it. Uh, unfortunately, you do have to have had an ABN on the 12th of, 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 um, of March. And to sort of show us that you've actually existed and you're an active business, um, you have to have lodged before the 12th of March at least an income tax return for 1819, showing that you had some business income an activity statement or a GST return. Um, And you also have had to make those payments to those employees that we talked about earlier. 
that we're subject to withholding. And that withholding can be salaries, it can be wages, it can be director's fees. Okay. Now, there is, there's a lot of information I've just gone through there, but if I could get people to check out our website, there are ato.gov.au forward slash cash flow boost and there's a lot more information there. A lot of the intricacies as well, uh, are particularly around the types of businesses and the structures and, and that exactly. I imagine there'll be a lot of information there for those particular people. And of course, don't forget your accountants and your bookkeepers right now are oh. so important and they really have the finger of uh, on the pulse of your business and are probably best placed to be able to support you. But in amongst all of this, it sounds to me what you're saying is get your BAS done as quickly as you can. Then you will know your position. You'll know after the 28th of April, what what you can potentially receive. Um, And then after that, it's just a matter of keeping up to date as always. But may I ask, is it easy if you've turned, if you've been doing quarterly basses for all this time and you change into monthly basses to ensure that the cash flow, uh, the cash boost comes more regularly, um, can you switch back to quarterly again? You can switch back. Um, look, this isn't the, the way the system was designed wasn't designed for lots of people to flick around. So we do have particular timing periods, which is sort of the end of a quarter when you can switch back and forward. Um, so it's not quite as simple as it sounds. And as you say, you need to really think about this. If you're going to be in a GST refund position, that's a really good thing to do. But if you're going to be in a GST payable position, and there are some people out there who are actually, you know, managing to, to do really well here, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be for you. So take a look. There's some more details available about that on our website. But as you said too, the bookkeepers and the the tax agents and advisors out there are playing a really important role. They have been amazing through all this. Honestly, they have just really supported us so that we can help support you know, the small businesses out there in the community. If you've just joined us, we are listening to Small Biz Matters here on Triple H 100.1 FM. Myself, Alexi Boyd. We're interviewing Deborah Jenkins, who's the Deputy Commissioner of the ATO. We're talking all about how the ATO is administering these massive changes, which are across not only the small business sector, but across our whole business community and how they're going to support us. Let's talk about uh, JobKeeper. What can you tell me about that? Because that's obviously in a bit of a state of flux. We've only just only a few days ago have had that um, legislated and, and put through Parliament and approved. That's What can you tell me about how that's going to be administered by the ATO? Yeah, absolutely. So for today, Alexi, and I'm really happy to come back and chat to, to your listeners at, at a later point in time, it was passed uh, by the Australian Government last week. So that was um, on Thursday. Um, and that was for the JobKeeper payments. So with the eighth Thursday, I've lost, honestly, I must admit, I've lost track of the days at the moment. I don't know about you. But Today's like, Blur's day. Which, which day of the week? Exactly. <laughs> Groundhog day. It's every day. My husband oh. and I have a funny joke where we go, it's the 376th day of April. <laughs> oh, it does feel a little bit like that, doesn't it? I was doing my training session this morning, trying to keep, you know, fit and healthy in these times. Said, what day of the week is it? She said, oh, I don't know either. So we, we really thought we should definitely be checking our calendars. But anyway, we you know we stand ready to deliver JobKeeper. And as you said, there's a lot of work that we're going to need to do to make sure that those payments are ready to be made by early May. Um, so we are currently updating our website information. It is going to be available very, very soon. And I know lots of your listeners want the details because the legislation is up. Some of the, the legislative instrument is up as well. And our job is to really translate that to make it easy for people to understand. So we've had the teams working right across the weekend to do that. Um, and that information will be posted as soon as we can. So there are updates under, um, you can obviously also register uh, to get those updates and that's under um, ato.gov.au forward slash 
JobKeeper. Um, but, you know, as soon as we can get some more information to your listeners, we will do so. And thank you, first of all, for doing that because uh, comparative to, say, other government agencies, the process of um, opting in or to receive more information about JobKeeper was incredibly swift and efficient. Those updates that you're sending us via text messages, uh, are, they're not unique to us necessarily. You're, you're telling us when more information becomes available and then directing us to the website. It's not because you're speaking to us as a specific type of company structure or, or you know, you're talking to carpenters versus, uh, you know, versus restaurateurs. This is more general information that you're drip feeding out, correct? Yeah, the, the, you're absolutely right. So if you've, you've registered on our button that was on our website, the information you're getting is just to keep you up to date and to send you to our website. You're right, wouldn't it be great if I knew that, you know, you were a carpenter and here's all the information you need to know. That's where we want to be and we will be in a few years' time. But at the moment, this is just about letting you know to go to the website and then that will also tell you more information about, you know, actual eligibility and some of those details as well. So this week's going to be a big week for our Flexi. We're going to be, you know, sending out lots of information so people should be certainly staying tuned. Now, it's not the scenario where uh, stimulus packages are going to be delivered via cheque, which is what I've heard is happening in the US. They're going to post out cheques to people so they can go to the banks that are closed so they can deposit them or not. That's not how it's going to work with the ATO. Obviously, you've got up-to-date information. You know, uh, thanks to STP, what what a fortuitous uh, occasion that was to have that rolled out in the last 12 months. You've got that data. You've got that information up-to-date. The people who are the most up-to-date and and I guess have their books all sorted out are the ones really who are going to benefit the most. What about the people who fall through the cracks? How is that going to work? You mentioned you have to have had an ABN by a certain point in time. Is it going to be a situation where you're looking at things on a case-by-case basis in those sort of scenarios? Or is it really hard and fast, you need to meet these certain criteria in order for us to administer the job JobKeeper payments or the cash flow boost? Yeah, so they're both quite separate programs. But what I would say is in those programs, there has been built in some level of flexibility um, and some level of discretion. However, there always has to be sort of a date upon which things start. And that's often for systems reasons and things like that. So if you are unsure, please do check it out. Um, and there will be some more information about where discretion is um, you know, available to us, uh, to the commissioner, um, to tweet that. But I think you also made a really, really important point there. If you know that you have not updated your details, if you know you have an old bank account on there, if you know you forgot to update um, any piece of information, you know, now is a really good time to do it. And it's also a really good time for people to get onto um, MyGovID as well and to make sure they link using their RAM. And hopefully to your listeners, I'm not speaking completely in foreign tongues there uh, because MyGovID is a really important way that you connect with government. And so a lot of people um, have been using MyGovID and connecting with RAM. So again, if you haven't yet done that, um, you know, on other um, webinars, I've been waving my phone at people. There's a little little thing that people can do and people are waving it back to me, um, please make sure that you do that because that will make... Sorry, you broke up again then. So I, I love the internet here and it's, it's just great. It's the one thing that we really needed to work right now. But yeah, you, you raise a really good point there. And, and just to to explain again, what makes it really easy is to actually, um, it, it, to help people understand, it's like a two-step authenticator. A lot of us are using that with our banks. You need to have another device, which is your phone, which gives you a four-digit pin. And while you've got one website open, the other one opens and you 
type it in and then it all works. It's pretty efficient. It's pretty fast. It's pretty easy to get um, up and running. And if you haven't done that, you're going to get a rude shock when you try and do your super. Don't do your super at the last minute because you need this uh, MyGov ID set up in order to do your super. So if you haven't done that yet, that's probably the one time as a small business owner, you're going to be engaging with the ATO and and need to get that sorted out. So don't do it at the last minute. (laughs) Don't do anything at the last minute. (laughs) Wise words, wise words. (laughs) So um, there are possibilities for us to communicate with the ATO about specific circumstances. Uh, What if we are, you know, experiencing mental health issues? Where can we um, seek support there? Not necessarily from the ATO, but what do you recommend people do when they are experiencing complete states of overwhelm, which no doubt there's a large proportion of businesses who are? Uh, absolutely. So um, first and foremost, in this environment, we want people to look after themselves. And we don't actually want tax to be something that people are worrying about. But we do say if you do need help and support, please do go and see your tax professional. Go and see. Um, we also have a, an emergency support info line. Um, so it's often it's the chat. And people have said to me, you know, I just wanted to tell someone I need, needed a payment plan. I just wanted a break. You know, I just wanted people to understand. So um, we have the emergency support info line that people can have a chat to um, our staff on, which is one eight hundred eight zero six two one eight to talk about um, tailoring to your circumstances when it all feels like, well, oh, what, what am I going to do? We also have some really good information on our um, website, which is ato.gov.au forward slash wellbeing. And, you know, what I would say to people is this is a time, although we talk about social distancing, you know, I think of this as physical distancing with social connection. So, you know, it's really nice if people do pick up that phone, speak to their tax agent, ask for help. And we just do not want tax to be the thing that people are worrying about now. Um, I think people people's health is so important too. So, Alexi, what I'm saying to people is, you know, please don't let tax be the thing that you're worried about. Please seek some help, whether it's calling us because you want to actually have a chat about your problem or your health professional. Uh, Beyond Blue and others have offered some wonderful resources out there. Um, so there is a lot of support available. But um, yeah, check out our website. Um, the wellbeing section has a number of links there that people might want to use. And I'm sure there's a lot of accountants and bookkeepers and BAS agents out there who are listening today as well. Um, where uh, I think the ATO are appreciative of the support that they're giving you and you're giving them. So um, just a big shout out to you as I think, in my opinion, small business frontline workers who are really uh, getting a lot of phone calls from clients who are desperate to know what they can get in terms of support. It is coming. Everyone be patient, be kind to your accountant and please be kind to the ATO as well. As you've just heard, they've worked solidly over the weekend to get this up and running for us as small businesses. And I know that uh, Deborah Jenkins and all the people who who report to you would be working very hard at the moment. So thank you for what you're doing, because I I do have a lot of faith that the ATO is looking after this on our behalf, thankfully, as an agency. Um, Let's talk about uh, really quickly about instant asset write off. I think I think we get that concept. What's what's the big change that's happened there? Okay, so the big change for instant asset write-off is from the 12th of March until the 30th of June, the threshold for each asset is $150,000. So that's up from $30,000. So what I would say to people is if you are in a position to purchase 
um, some new equipment uh, and you're in a position to benefit from this, then this might be something that you're interested in. So really important, each asset up to $150,000 um, and that is until the 30th of June this year. Now, the really important thing is there are no changes to how you actually claim it. So go through and pop it in your income tax return as usual. And just look, a reminder to people, they do, sometimes I hear people saying, oh, that's an instant cash boost that I get. You know, I get it as soon as I've purchased it. It doesn't work that way, but it is an, it's excellent and it's fantastic, but it does go through your income tax returns. And I did, would just make sure that people have a chat to their tax agent too, if they're a little unsure about how, how this operates. And the GST um, on that, obviously, that G, sorry, the GST on that is of course um, instantly written off as well, correct? In All at once in one so, quarter? Um, the GST people can claim back the GST, so they're sort of almost two separate. But yes, the GST you'd come, you, you, yeah, exactly, exactly. You're right. Um, and just something to people to get in their minds too: you can have multiple assets. So a lot of people say to me, "Oh, it's just one asset." No, no, that threshold is you have multiple assets um, that are $150,000 worth. Definitely good for the businesses who are are really pivoting and and doing incredibly well. Obviously, there's a lot of businesses out there that don't um, necessarily have the ability. Now, the banks are playing a big role in this as well. We should should mention as well that that is another, (laughs) I don't want to use support mechanism, uh, where the banks are actually um, offering uh, additional lines of credit. Um, I've been assured that it's not going to affect your... Or ability to borrow in the future, that there's overdrafts available. Another perhaps phone call you might want to make is to your banks. Uh, and if you're not happy with their response, shop around uh, because um, there's a lot of us and there's a lot of um, uh, opportunity there to rejig your finances. And like you're mentioning at the beginning of the program, now's a good opportunity to look at your business plan and reassess how you've got all of your buckets and, and finances lined up. Let's just really quickly talk about one other aspect, which is getting early access to super. Um, The ATO administers superannuation. Uh, I don't want to focus too much on this because this, in my opinion, is something really you should do as a last resort um, because you're going to affect that super's ability, obviously, to accrue uh, income for you in the future. But what's the mechanism? How do people access that, that super if they need it? Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. This is called early access to super. So separate from all the other things that we talked about. So from the 20th of April, um, and can you believe, I can't believe we're only six days away from the 20th of April. How did that happen? Um, Australians can apply to the ATO to access their super under a particular um, support package. So you can apply to get up to $10,000 from the super between now and the 1st of July this year, and then another 10,000 between the 1st of July and the 24th of September this year as well. Now, you must meet one, at least one of the following requirements. So you're either unemployed, um, be eligible to receive the, the job seeker payment, um, or you've been made redundant, you've had your working hours reduced. So there's sort of quite a bit of detail there. And individuals can submit one application each financial year, so I would encourage people, you can apply to access it, to head to the ATO online through MyGov, so through your MyGov um, from the 20th of April. And then once we've processed the application, we'll ask you to nominate which funds you want to go into your account. Um, so it is it is really important, though, as, as you say, look at all of the things that are available to you and, and work out what's going to be um, you know the, the best one for you and for your your circumstances. And get some sound um, yeah. financial but advice. Yeah. 
That's exactly right. And the final thing I want to say on this is there are scammers out there. I know we've talked about scammers before. I've just seen some really, really, really bad behavior. And I just want people, um, you know, if something looks too good to be true, it probably is. So please, you know, really think about who's calling you, who's emailing you, what are they offering you? And, you know, should you go to a credible uh, place like your bookkeeper, your tax agent, um, your accountant for some advice before you do jump into some of these things. And and just speaking of people doing the wrong thing, um, please don't think that any of this that doesn't apply to you, you're entitled to. What am I trying to say here? Don't try and rot the system because we all know how clever and uh, methodical the ATO is at ensuring that people do the right thing. It may not happen right now, but in six or 12 months time down the track, there will be processes in place to make sure that people do are doing the right thing and, you know, lo and behold, anybody who isn't because the ATO will be aware of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we know people are feeling really stressed and they, you know, we're really desperate to get hold of things, but you're absolutely right. You know, please don't change your structures, um, retrospectively do things. We, we do have board control and prevention measures in place. Um, and we don't like to talk about that, but we do have to have that because this is really, really important to measure. And it's really important we get it to the right people and get it to you know, out as quickly as we possibly can. So yeah, please do the right thing. So just to sum up, Deborah, what are the, um, the key dates that people need to be aware of uh, when it comes to um, accessing either more information or accessing these funds? Sure. In, in relation to the super or all of them? Sure. Uh, in relation to things like the uh, the cash flow boost and the job keeping, yeah. I know you mentioned the 28th of April being a sort of a, a fairly important date there. Uh, very, yeah. So maybe in, in um, chronological order, today we should have some more information available on our website about JobKeeper. So I think that's a really important one. People should register their interest. Do that now. Those payments will flow early May. In relation to the cash flow boost, really important date here is that those credits to your account will be available from the 28th of April. So if you do lodge your account early, don't be surprised if it doesn't, you know, if the cash flow boost isn't on there, it's because we haven't got the systems in place until after the 28th of April. But if you do need to lodge your return, of course, you may do so. But if you hold off, it means we'll be able to apply it just in that one time. And the 20th of April is another important date if you're thinking about early access to super. Fantastic. Look, Deborah, thank you. We've come right up to the top of the hour. I'd like to thank you very much for joining Small Biz Matters and myself, keeping us updated, keeping us uh, confident in the processes and procedures that the ATO has in place. You're always welcome to come on the program and update our listeners on all the good work that you're doing in supporting small business as well as keeping us in check. Thank you so much for joining us again, Deborah Jenkins. Thank you. Have a great day. And don't forget about the ATO has tons of information, particularly in the small business newsroom. There's lots of great videos in general about how to keep your finances under control and how to keep yourself um, uh, on top of uh, understanding what good financial goals are just in general, apart from this situation we find ourselves in. We've come right up to the top of the hour here at Small Biz Matters on Triple H 100.1 FM. Thank you for joining me once again. I look forward to um, hearing uh, more of your stories and another great interview next week here on on Small Biz Matters. Thank you for joining me once again. Have a great weekend.